We begin today's program with condolences to Bill Crystal on the loss of his favorite war. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ruthless. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. There we go. <laughs> that's how you started, man. End of an era. End of the 20-year war. It's crazy because that's of all the things. So of all the things, like Crystal has flip-flopped on from being, you know, ostensibly a conservative to he completely hates the GOP, anything conservative. He's he's now just like, you know, pro-spending, tax and spend liberal. You know, every Republican is awful. But the one thing he has remained consistent on is actually war is good. Like yeah, he, he tweets he, he, out, he's like, no, no, we shouldn't end this war. It's like, what the, like, <laughs> what? Lockstep support for the Biden agenda unless it involves curbing war. Yeah, yeah. He was like, so, I support the Dems and, and, and Biden on everything, but war? Why would you stop war? <laughs> so for those of you unaware, um, President Joe Biden has announced that he'll be pulling out troops from Afghanistan by September 11th, ending America's longest war. And, and just just for our younger listeners, to put to put the scale of the 20-year war in Afghanistan into perspective here. We've spent more on infrastructure in Afghanistan than Joe Biden has for bridges and roads in his so-called infrastructure bill. Wow. That's mm. right. That's right. Since 2001, we've spent $133 billion reconstructing Afghanistan. Only $115 billion for roads and bridges in this infrastructure bill. Mm. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. And, and when stat. they said that date, it was just, uh, you know, it was kind of shocking that we're already at the 20th anniversary of, of the attacks on September 11th. Holy cats. I know. You know, it's actually really apropos that Duncan gets to introduce this segment because he's super soft on terror. Okay. okay. That is, that's Whatever. true. That's true. Well, look, I'm just I'm just glad he's finally delivering on a promise. I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in 2012, Biden said, and I quote, we are leaving in 2014, period. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So good point. Yeah. Got there seven years later. Well, we need to fight him over there so we don't fight him here. Okay. Uh, Forever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, uh, all of that being said, we've had a, a great week. We've had some good. Press clippings. We mm-hmm. noticed that the Variety program was written up in the Guardian, which typically is not a friend to conservatives, but in this case, a very friendly report from my vantage point. I mean, the thing is that ruthless is undeniable. Everyone who listens enjoys the numbers keep going up of our number of listeners. We are so grateful to the minions. And uh, hey, what, what what option do they have? There's only good things to say about this show, and and the guest list has been incredible. We just had Burgess Owens and. I, I was um, I was up on Capitol Hill the other day and uh, speaking with a number of members of Congress and to a person they were they were big fans of Ruthless. It's sort of surreal, honestly, in in some ways when you you're talking to a member of Congress who tells you that they listen to the Tuesday program on their way back 
from DC to their district and they would listen to the Thursday on the way back to these, like they do it religiously. That's on the plane. awesome. I mean, it's awesome. Wow. Wow. I love it. Well, we'll do our very best to keep providing the content that you all deserve. Cause uh, I don't know how we got here, but we we're going to keep on churning. <laughs> we got a large crowd to entertain. And we also specifically for this episode, we know we have lately been giving a lot of good info, a, a lot of important information uh, but, you know, we we're thinking maybe we've had a lot of Brussels sprouts and it's time for candy. So this episode's going to be a bit more focused on letting the people have their candy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we're going to start. Do you want to <laughs> are we going to start with the roaring the summer of rage or the roaring 20s? Yeah. I mean, this is this is a pretty hot debate that's going on right now is. You know, thank God the vaccine is not just rolling out, but it seems like, you know, it's widely available. Thank you, President Trump and Operation. I always get it wrong. Was it warp speed or light speed? Warp speed. Warp, warp speed. speed. <laughs> Operation warp speed. Got the job done. President Trump created the vaccines and now they're getting in arms. Uh, everyone here, anyone here gotten their shots? Got a shot. I still am waiting on the second sucker. Uh, but I'm going to get that done here shortly. And I'm, I'm going to be a terror. Once I get that thing in my arm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, I got number one, number two, I heard is the one that you like have sniffles or whatever afterwards. And I'm going to absolutely ham it up and act like, you know, I'm dying. Uh, but so anyways, now that shots are getting in arms, the question is, what is this summer going to be? Is it going to be a summer of rage or the roaring twenties? Now that, you know, everyone can finally get out of your homes. We have beaten the, 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 the virus. It's not all sunny optimism out there, though. I got to tell you, this week has been pretty, pretty grim, right? It hasn't been like a prelude to what is to come, because here's the thing. My theory, my theory, I'm team Summer of Rage. So, <laughs> so I'm not, we have not shocked. Yeah, we have had like well, like over a year now of in some form or another lockdowns and social distancing People ha have, have not been out in crowds, <laughs> have not been in large numbers, you know, like in, in bars and restaurants, in public. And the other thing is like for the past year, like uh, everyone's just been talking on the internet with people they agree with. So you go to a bar, anyone disagrees with you, what's going to happen? People don't know how to act anymore. We're going to have a summer of violence. You're calling violence and fights. Fine, violence and fights. And, and beyond that, so, so, I think, you know, from a sociological perspective, people don't know how to act. They haven't been in crowds. Everyone's going to lose their minds. Uh, beyond that, so White Claw has announced a new sub-brand called Surge. Apologies to AOC. It's a <laughs> Surge, a very militant word. Well, and, and apologies to Michael Duncan, too, because there's a militaristic context right. that, that went on to win the war in Iraq, and I know that's tough for him. Okay. Very, very right. anti-Surge. But so, so White Claw is releasing a new brand called Surge that steps up the alcohol. Uh, so typically, you know, you're looking at 5% in a can of White Claw. This summer, they're releasing White Claw Surge at 8%. Oh, let's boy. go. Boy. What was, what was Four Loco? You know what? I need to, I need to search that. So I, I remember I was, I was a Four Loco OG. And when that hit the streets, man, it was, it was problems. So is, do we, what do we know about is surge like just an amped up ABV of 
It is. White Claw? It's pretty close to double. It's basically, you know, twice as strong, which is incredible, man. So I've got a buddy back in Minnesota. He calls these things sports drinks. Great guy. Right. And he is, he is, he's fan. I don't think he'd mind if I used his name. This guy, Hans, he was the best man in my wedding. And Hans drinks sports drinks all day long. He loves these things. He just kills them. But now, but he gets to the point in the evening where you got to, he drinks the first quarter of them and he fills the top up with vodka. <laughs> there you go. That's how well, you do well, it. Well, so that's the thing is this thing about White Claws is, you know, that it's refreshing. You know, and it's a good day drinking beverage. You're out there. It's a thirst quencher. I can see why he calls it a sports drink, but it's guilt free, right? It's like, I'm drinking this. It tastes like lime, refreshing, fantastic, right? But now you're going to go ahead and you're going to double that ABV. But see, I think it's needed personally. So I've had a few of these, uh, the the seltzer drinks. And when I have them, I drop a couple shots, throw in a, throw in a white claw. Or else it's just like, you're sitting there and you're just drinking. Like I can have 40 or 50 of these in a night. And I'm just like, whatever, Stone Cold's over. I feel like you're sort of telling on yourself. (laughs) There's a larger issue at hand. It's actually, there's a nexus to Washington with and, and policy. It's actually coming up in the context of the infrastructure bill, which is bizarre. And I didn't even know this until you brought this this issue with the White Claw up and I'd heard it because I'd read some some morning newsletters that like cover influence in Washington and stuff like that. But like, apparently you can buy these seltzers and they're, they're taxed at a relatively low rate from a federal perspective because they're taxed like beer. And beer has traditionally been a lower tax than distilled spirits because they have a lower ABV, right? Tax tax for the producer of the beverage, right? Correct. The company making them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, but it's all, it's all passed down into into the cost of your drink. It's actually priced into the drink. I'm I'm pretty sure it's even itemized out in the drink. Um, But anyway, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is there's now ready to drink drinks, right? So if you want like a crown and Coke, uh yeah that's that's the thing is like so this summer or i think it it just it just hit the streets it just hit the streets i had friends who started texting me you can now get crown royal the that that infamous canadian whiskey that comes in the purple bag (laughs) crown royal pre-mixed with coke in a can ready to roll you crack it and it's ready to go yeah but here's the thing it's like five times more expensive than one of these seltzers with the same amount of abv yeah it right? was, i was shocked when you told me this yeah yeah, like, yeah so like drinks like you know uh our, our, our listeners might be familiar with like high noon or like folks in texas those ranch riders i love i love ranch rider they'll, they'll they, it's like a drink that like they put actual tequila in there yeah and then they'll add like lime and, and, and you know uh you know seltzer and whatever but it's actual liquor that's yeah, the difference yeah. so that's the problem right and so that's like the big battle in washington and it's a classic washington situation where it's like all the intent of the difference in taxes is far lost years ago. And now it's basically, you just pay three times more for the same product under a different name than you pay for the, for the seltzer. Anyway, a big fight. I know that's a lot of under the hood for just like a drinking conversation, but I find that stuff fascinating. That is interesting. So, and that's, what's crazy. So like uh, these drinks that have the actual liquor in them, like, you know, your high noon, your ranch riders are the same percentage of alcohol. Yeah. As as the seltzers, but they still get taxed like it's liquor, which is wild. 
Yeah, and it, because it it started as a tax on how you produce the alcohol because the end event was always a higher ABV. It was just yeah. kind of assumed. But now that you have the same ABV in the same con- container, essentially, they're priced radically different because of the tax. And they're trying to figure out how to even that out. The beer guys, let me just tell you, the beer guys do not want to figure that out. They feel like they've got a three to one advantage over the over the hard liquor guys. And so it's a major fight. Anyway, it's it's like- if you're interested in that stuff, watch it. Cause we, we need, up. we need to figure it out. And that's because I'm on the opposite side here of smug and I'm pro roaring twenties. Yes. I want you out there with your white claws. I want you out there with your, you know, your rum and Cokes and everything else, because I really believe coming out of this vaccine, if you are, you know, a zoomer or a millennial in your twenties, maybe early thirties, get out there. Have a good yeah, time. I feel awful, man, for like a lot of the younger right. folks. Oh, yeah. Like a whole year. Right, right. Can't go out and socialize. Can't go to a bar. Can't hang out, you know, in the nice weather and play cornhole or whatever. But in the Amish community, they have this concept, this thing called Rumspringa. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's basically a rite of passage in the Amish community in which. Is you know, it like a free? Isn't it like a hall pass? Yeah, it's a hall pass. You know, they can really? leave the Am- Amish close society. Oh, okay, okay. They venture into the modern world and you know smoke their first cigarette or go and get drunk or whatever. And I think, I, folks, I think we're we're going to be approaching a new Rumspringer. So I wish everyone the best of luck. So I hit the, I hit the Google. This is wild. So so the new the new uh, White Claw, the surge is dropping at eight percent ABV. Your beers are what beer like a, a bud bud heavy is typically what like five percent yep around five percent domestics are five IPAs you can go to all the way to nine so four loco when it dropped was fourteen percent folks oh yeah oh yeah fourteen percent plus caffeine oh. <laughs> that was fight fuel <laughs> no one no one drank four loco to have a good time you're trying to cause problems <laughs> oh man that I remember is- I'm telling you it, it, when it hit the streets it was like oh man it was like 2008 or something like yeah, that when yeah yeah it, it was just it was problems it was like some, <laughs> when someone's at the grocery when someone's at the bodega or something grabbing a couple four locos it's like I don't want to see you later tonight man I know where you're going it's not a good place 14 percent that is wild well look I'm notwithstanding the trouble that we've seen in Minnesota this week the trouble that we've seen in social uprisings again across this country, which by the way, you know, I was promised that that was only because Donald Trump was president. Right. That's what we were told. I was, but notwithstanding any of that, I'm with Duncan. It's time for the roaring twenties. Ruthless radio program is going to do its very best to participate in what is bound to be in my view, the best summer of all time. Absolutely. I highly encourage everyone, especially the youngsters who had a year robbed, go out, drink safely, have a good time. Thank God we're finally getting back to it. Absolutely. So let's go to our next uh, topic, which I, I got a kick out of. I know you guys got it. There was a ranking, a head-to-head matchups of all the states in the union where you could choose head-to-head which was a better state. And at the end, they aggregated it all and put from one to 51, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lib thing. They counted DC as a state. They counted lib move. Lib move. They counted DC as a state. And guess where DC came in? Number 51, folks. 51. (laughs) It's reputable, too. It's YouGov. You know, they do good work out of every state and and non-state district. Out of 51 
DC 51. And I got to say that's right. How in the world would you argue it? First of all, it's not a state, so it shouldn't be in the discussion. Yeah. But, but second of all, even if you were inclined to admit it as a state, which I am not. Yeah. But if you were inclined to admit it, Americans across the country loathe it. <laughs> and, and, and as they should, as they should. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, D.C., there's nothing good about it. In the summer, it's humid. It's disgusting. There's nothing to do. There's no good restaurants. The only good restaurant, folks, is the Bojangles at the train station. <laughs> Other than that, you're not getting good food in D.C. Get on that train, you know, go to New York, go anywhere else pretty much. You're getting better food. I'm going to disagree with them on the food. I find there's a number of, of charming restaurants. I hope they're still open uh, after this mayor, what the mayor has done to D.C. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, it, it, in if you'd asked me this question in the winter of like February, 2020, I'd be like, you know, DC is sort of on the rise. Like it's, there's some great restaurants. There's good stuff. COVID hits. Mayor Bowser locks the place down. There is one protest after another. I couldn't even get to my office for like two months Yeah, because it was just blocked off with protests day after day. And then I went back, you know, gosh, several months ago and it's nothing but boarded up sort of graffiti all downtown, man, it's going to take a long time for DC to come back. My favorite part of it, Holmes, was when, you know, the protests subsided and, and they start to, you know, tear down the, the, you know, wood planks from the windows. And I'm thinking, gosh, we can finally like get back into the office. No, no. Then the roads are all shut down because Mayor Bowser wants, you know, everyone out there painting murals. Yeah. Still couldn't get in the office, couldn't get into our garage, nothing, nothing. And then and then in the dead of night, um, you know, the D.C. City Council um, releases their their new budget and they want to, like, put in a bunch of new taxes for all these businesses that have been shut down so people can paint murals. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I hate if you have a business in D.C., move. It move. is a terrible place to have a business. But I feel like that's the case for almost every urban epicenter. Like, what would you say to a Minneapolis business right now? <laughs> you know, like, I'll be honest, I grew up there. Absolutely beautiful area. Incredible people. The downtown has been revitalized for decades. It's like a, it was a very vibrant place with a ton of, of business and restaurants and sports and all kinds of stuff. And like over the last calendar year, it has been destroyed. Mm hmm. Completely Literally. destroyed. And it's continuing to be destroyed day after day. But here's the thing. This is the price of liberal governance. Let's not, let's not mistake this as like having nothing to do with each other. Like th this is what happens when you have liberal governance that doesn't put value on rule of law, on business infrastructure, on you know the serious pillars of committee of communities that can can withstand difficult times and so that's the thing is like you look at the top of the list so from from one to ten i'll tell you number one hawaii number two colorado number three virginia number four nevada number five north carolina number six florida number seven arizona number eight new york number nine georgia number 10 texas i i, I gotta tell you off the bat my my theory Number eight for New York to come in at number eight. I think it's people who have not been to New York because <laughs> it doesn't belong. Number eight. No, it's a pure, it's, it's, I mean, so it's a great place, but if we're talking about like the 
where you want to be. I mean, come on, man. There's two new knee jerk, like you vote for it and you don't know why is Hawaii and New York. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. So Hawaii comes in at number one, you know, sadly, it's actually one of the places I've never visited. I, I you know, I can offer no personal lived experience of that. I think it might be the only state I've never been to. I've not been to Hawaii. I'd like to go, but I got to be honest, I'm a little skeptical of any place that sends us Maisie Hirono. Yeah. And aren't the taxes, the taxes are like sky high. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. And New York is a toilet right now. I, I, I would love to I would love to see a demo breakdown of who participated in this poll to see what the partisan makeup is. Dude, that's a good point. Because I look through, you know, some of the bottom tier here, Alabama in at 50, um, Iowa 45, Mississippi, uh, you know, Mississippi. And uh, these are great states like New Jersey's 48. New Jersey should be 50. Can, New Kentucky, Jersey should be 50. Kentucky 42. Kansas oh, I see what you're doing, Duncan. I, I, I get what you're going. And for I'm here. thinking a, a lot of libs who had their brains rotted from MSNBC, you know, hitting the act blue button for a yep. bunch of dead end Senate candidates are a little pissed. Those states reelected Republicans. I see what yeah, you number doing. 40 for, for number 40 for Idaho to be number 40 tells you this is 100 percent libs who have never been to Iowa. That is like one of the most beautiful states in this country. Yeah. I'll be honest that now that I'm looking at the last tier that you've highlighted, isn't that wild? That's, a lib. That, that, that's interesting. This that's is a good a, point, Duncan. This is a lib thing. I love the correlation between losing their shirt on Senate races and ranking them poorly. Nice. Oh, well, if, if you ever like look on Twitter on election night of all, you know, these liberals poured their, their <laughs> money into these States thinking that they were going to beat people like Mitch McConnell. And then the second that the state reelects the guy, you dumb hicks. Oh, you yeah. Know, he, yeah. You, you right. It's so McConnell. true. It's oh, so true. Trash state, you know? And it's like, these people are the worst. The and worst. They loathe places like Kentucky, you know, and Iowa. And they hate us, they you do. know? They do. So they I also them. have a theory. So, so you got South Carolina at 29. I think that's a similar situation. They're mad they got beat in South Carolina. Even though South Carolina, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful state. It's a gorgeous state. Charleston is unreal. Wonderful place to visit. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. That they put South Carolina at 29. They put Texas at 10. They put North Carolina at five. So sure. my theory also is that this just proves the supremacy of Eastern Carolina barbecue, <laughs> that vinegar based pulled oh, pork, on. far superior to number 10, Texas, far superior to the, to that mustard based pulled pork they got in South Carolina at 29. Well, North Carolina like is the one. North Carolina is the one that sort of breaks my model, I guess. Thanks, yeah. Cal, thanks, Cal Cunningham. It does, but I, I would like just the minions to weigh in. The minions from Texas and uh, Missouri, for I'd like them to have a rejoinder, yeah, if you will to yeah. Smug's take with the vinegar based. I mean, I love the St. Louis ribs, but I I tell you that that Eastern Carolina vinegar based pulled pork. I mean, that is that's my final meal. I, anytime I can have it, you can't beat it. Okay. All right. All right. So let's go to the next topic. This one is a uh, New Sexico, we call it. It's wild. I, I was stunned. This is, this is about a sitting governor. This is, and I, you know, what's so unbelievable about this is that I didn't know one of our, one of our pals flagged this for us. It's nowhere on the news. I didn't no. know this was happening, but it, yeah. it, apparently the, Republican Governors Association pounced on Governor Michelle Lujan Grissom 
uh, this week for revelations of a settlement that she had with a former campaign staffer who accused her, she's the governor of New Mexico, of, quote, grabbing his genitals. Yeah. Sh- you know, shout out Jesse Hunt at the RGA. We see you. Good work out there. And of course, when, when we find, when Republicans point out, wait a minute, we just found out a sitting governor paid $62,500 to settle with a campaign staffer that here's what happened. So she apparently poured water on a dude's crotch and then just grabbed it. Well, that's, that's like, what I, I love about who this. Who does that? I love about this is that we got the Dem literally grabbing his genitals, but we, the Republicans, are the one. That's the pouncing. pouncing. Yeah, We're pouncing. Yeah, yeah. pouring <laughs> drinks and grabbing genitals is not the pouncing. The pouncing <laughs> is, is calling them out on I, it. Yeah, highlighting it. Yeah. Amazing. Wait, I, can I should we just rewind back to the move? The move who does that. Is this who, a move? Who I'd does like that? From, I'd like to hear from some of the women in the minion uh, world. Do you know anyone who's ever done the pour the water on the crotch grab move? It's a good old porn grab. Like, wh- <laughs> how does that work? Who thinks this is a good idea? The old like, porn grab. Like, uh, you know, I'm 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 a very you know I, I don't I'm a germaphobe. I don't like uh, you know things like getting water poured on you. That's not a good experience. Oh wait wait, then, wait wait let me <laughs> hold on. There's more context in the article. I gotta go. Uh, this guy named is named Hallahan, uh, and he first alluded to the alleged assault in 2019 in a Christmas Day tweet. That, he, but he told the New Mexican in an interview that Lujan Grissom had dumped water in his crotch and then touched his genitals. He described the incident as a quote slap and grab. Oh my <laughs> God, dude. haunted him daily. I would be so shocked and offended. Who does that? A slap it and grab. <laughs> Bold move. It's the wildest thing. And this is a sitting governor. The sitting Dem governor of New Mexico was like, you know what, folks? It's time to just like pour some water into the lap of my staffer and just grab his junk. Like it's just like totally normal. And the okay. best the best part from my perspective, as a liberal Democrat, she can do the old slap and grab and then fear no consequence. None. It's crazy. You know, I mean, the thing is that like, so, so I, you know, I was alerted to this with when people are like DMing it to me because I didn't see the headlines. I didn't see that. I have like, not seen any of this. Like, uh, you know, do we have the New York Times? Do we have the Washington Post? Anyone calling for, for this governor's resignation? Imagine, imagine for a second, folks, Republican governor pouring water into the lap of a staffer and just grabbing their junk. Well, it's I- not surviving. They are within a week. Within a week, they're gone. It also runs counter to like the lib campaign where it's like, this is why we need to run all men out of politics. That's true. Right? It's yeah. like, well, what do you think about Lujan yeah. Grissom yeah. here? Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe we just have to run bad people out of politics. I don't, maybe it's not a gender. I mean, they're okay with Cuomo. So it's just right. like, all right, well, what do you know? Right. When you're a Democrat, you can kill 30,000 elderly people. You know, if you're Ralph Northam, you can wear blackface or maybe it's the Klan robe. We never got an answer on that. Never got an answer. Um, you can, you know, molest several dozen women, allegedly. Uh, you can go to your beach house during quarantine, you know, shut down the restaurants uh, in your state. But you can go and with your donors to restaurants and eat out all night if you're in California. And not uh, just any. Newsom went to French Laundry. French, oh, like incredible. Yeah. 
that's like yeah. bucket list restaurant. Here's all like, that's oh, all that's there. great. And and you know the funny thing is at least people are talking about Cuomo. I had no idea that this lady existed. Yeah. So I mean, when I I, I had to double check, I was like, I, well, this can't be true. This like a sitting governor pouring you know, water in someone's lap and just grabbing their junk and just it's just like and and the thing is that like paying the settlement. So it's not like they can release a statement saying that this is made up like Cuomo's tried. They're like, you know what? We paid the settlement. Hats off to the guy, though. 62 grand for getting his junk grabbed by the governor of New Mexico. Well done, my friend. Well done. Even if you don't get any uh, attention for it, I uh, feel your pain. Anyway, let's move on. The the next uh, topic is one that we found endlessly hilarious. I wish we could do that. Truly more of this, but, but it involves Jen Psaki talking about trying to get to communities that are, are vaccine shy, right? Duncan, is this the, is this the kind of the context of it? How do you get to people who are, are not taking this vaccine? Right. right. And, and, you know, what they're basically saying is how, how do we get Republicans to take this vaccine? And, my favorite thing about it is that, you know, they basically treat all of us like we're some sort of science experiment that needs to be <laughs> broken down into its, you know, parts and uh, dissected and figured out here. You know, the Daily Caller has the story where um, they're running vaccine PSAs. And of course, get your vaccine. Go ahead and get yeah, it. That goes without uh, saying. Yeah, we said that at the top. Right. They're, they're, right they're, they're sending vaccine PSAs on the deadliest catch, NASCAR and CMT. <laughs> like, that's so funny. Saki's like, okay, so here's how we, how we targeted conservatives. We, we, we told them, uh, you know, we're going to run ads during deadliest catch. We're going to run ads on NASCAR. We're going to run ads on CMT. I think we <laughs> should play. I think we need to play the audio of this. I'm sorry. I think we got to play the audio. Uh, we're also looking for, we've run PSAs on the deadliest catch. We're engaged with NASCAR and country music TV. We're looking for a range of creative ways to get directly connected to white conservative communities. We won't always be the best messengers, but we're still trying to meet people where they are, but also empower local organizations. I love that. So, so we're trying to reach white conservative communities. So, uh, you know, we, we ran some ads on deadly catch, uh, NASCAR and CMT. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine. So this is how it happened. I guarantee this is how it happened. So a bunch of like, you know, low level garbage staffers at the White House are eating lunch and they're like, hey, guys, so how do we get conservatives? Like, I don't know. They watch. They all watch NASCAR. <laughs> they all watch NASCAR. I so find it so baby. funny. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Everything is like a foreign exchange project for these. It guys. is. Like, it is. If you. Oh, my God. They might, I think these people might believe in God. It's like Discovery Channel. They're like the wild conservative. Oh, his habitat. He clearly just watches NASCAR all day. Well, you can't get him on Sunday morning. I'll tell you that much. You're going to have to wait till the afternoon. I think these hicks sit around and watch cars go in a circle. Yeah. They're like, we tried shutting down the churches so that they could be home to watch NASCAR (laughs) and CMT. We'll see how that approach works. They love these white people love fishing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I'd have loved, should have lost her job if someone had asked her point blank. So, how do you reach other communities which have, have, you know, which have not hit vaccine percentage targets. She'll lost her job, man. I want to hear how she reaches those. If you invert that question, 
you invert that yeah. question and ask to other because because look, the reality is, is that conservative Republicans have had some vaccine reluctance. And so that is actually a, a legit question. But other communities, African-American communities have, too. If you ask that question, specifically, that would have been wild. I, I would have loved that answer. I'd pay top dollar. Jen Psaki, how do you reach out to the black community? I want to hear Jen Psaki's ideas on that. In this should be gone, dude. In this should culture, be gone. In, in democratic politics, she would have had to pack her desk that afternoon. Yeah, gone, gone, dude. I no mean, question. what's funny is like, here's the thing: is like, if, if, if the idea was, uh, how do you, how would, if you want to get a PSA out, how would you reach out to like liberals, to to liberal communities? Oh, no, think- number one, number one, number one. I'd have President Bartlett from the West Wing cut a PSA. <laughs> oh my those, god! All those liberals and the journals oh just pissing their pants. Oh, God. Yeah, we'd be at herd immunity tomorrow. I would be disgusted because, you know, every journo, every journo would like retweet that. Like, retweet, retweet, retweet. I love President Bartlett. I love West Wing. That's, <laughs> that's my president. <laughs> oh, um, man. I think it would have to be, there would have to be some kind of a poetry reading uh, or... <laughs> With like, if you could go to a venue that had a poetry reading, it would have to be a diverse poetry reading, though. It would have to be set by some sort of segmented, oppressed minority uh, group that you could also have soccer playing on a small TV in the background. If you could get that together, that would be like a magnet for white progressive lips. That I think you could get all of them vaccinated in a small amount of time. A Prius, a Prius drive up showing of Hamilton. Mm. Wow. That would, you know what? That's probably the smartest thing is if you just had someone handing out flyers outside of like Hamilton, when it reopens every, you're hitting every lib, every lib done, done. I mean, it's just hilarious. They're like, okay, the best we could come up with folks, we're going to have, we're going to have NASCAR deadliest catch, (laughs) deadliest catch, deadliest catch. Like, Honest question. So, has anyone here seen Deadliest Catch? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah. maybe they're onto something. <laughs> yeah. I watched it. Show. I watched it, but but I can't say it's like you know something that you just sort of religiously watch. It's just like background you know. noise. It's a background noise show. Let's be honest. They should advertise on Tucker, man. If you want a conservative audience, advertise on but Tucker. They can't give up. They can't do they it. They can't yeah. do it. They They're can't. Like, oh say no. Oh no. Wouldn't that be so great? Wouldn't that be so great? They have all these, you know, progressive activist organizations trying to boycott Tucker and then the government becomes his largest sponsor. That would be awesome. (laughs) So good. You know what I think honestly is if they wanted to, to reach red States, get, get Anheuser-Busch and Jack Daniels to vaccinate red States. You got Kentucky covered, you know, they get it done. You go straight to the source. These are, these are folks that know how to get how to get their product into the hands of good red-blooded Americans. Anheuser-Busch, they'd do it. They'd get it done, dude. I feel like I'm a I fan of Bud like- Heavies. You crack one open and you get vaccinated. I'm there for that. Well, we haven't talked about this, but what would you do? Because this is the way that libs work. Once they get their hands on government, they actually process these huge advertising budgets through lib firms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they, they have like all their political firms actually do the advertising and make millions of dollars off of it, which is fascinating. And I can't, it never gets called, but it, it, this always happens. Anyway, what would you do if one of them called you tomorrow to say like, Hey, 
we have a million dollar ad campaign that we'd like to run on ruthless yeah. <laughs> vaccinating people. Like, I don't I'd know say, what I'd say. To I'd them. say, I'd say number one. All right. So you, so write the, write the check to cash. <laughs> I'd also say a hundred percent. All three of us are doing the voiceover and I'm not sure what's going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I, we're going to, we're going to ostensibly tell people to get vaccinated, but like, it's going to be a lot different than you want it to be. Right. I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes railing on Dr. Fauci. (laughs) How does he still have a job? It's absolutely incredible. This guy is going to double mask forever. It's insane. He is. He's honestly, so my theory on Fauci, he is the sharpest operator in DC period. He plays everybody. He's played everybody like a fiddle. He survives the book deal. I bet he gets a bigger book deal advance than like President Obama. I well, guarantee yeah. it, dude. Without a doubt. But it's, I mean, it's a huge messaging miss that now, you know, we're distributing these vaccines. We're getting people, uh, you know, we're getting closer to hu- her, herd immunity. And he's still talking, you know, like yeah. it's yeah. April he's like, 2020. After you get the vaccine, folks, you still got to. You still got a social distance. Right, right, right. We're like, the, you know, the clinical trials, if we're listening to the scientists, have shown post-vaccination, like there was that original theory, can you still have like a viral load in your nose? And th- there has been no study that has shown that you can post-vaccination, and which no, would eliminate the need for masks. It's all, it's all according nonsense. to the scientists. It's all nonsense. But if you've noticed, Fauci himself has shifted his own role, right? So oh, at the yeah. beginning of this pandemic... He was leading the response. That was his job. It's, here's Dr. Fauci, a renowned scientist from the N- National Institutes of Health. He's leading the government response and everybody listened to him and he you know, did his thing. And now if you watch him, like what's happened over a calendar year is he is basically a color commentator for the, for the medical community. It's wild. It's like he is, he's basically like the Phil Sims of- <laughs> of color commentators <laughs> for the medical community. He's the shittiest analyst that they that they possibly have. They're like, well, you know, this doctor says this. What do you say, Dr. Fauci? He's like, well, speaking as a medical professional, I can tell you. And then he says everything that's nonsense. Yeah, Completely it's nonsense. gotten really wild lately because like all the clinical trials, all the like actual scientific data that's being put out by like the Lancet, all these, you know, very highly respected medical journals, are, are are like contradicting what he's saying in terms of the efficacy of the vaccines. Like folks, uh, you know, I highly, highly recommend everyone get vaccinated. Me personally, I'm Pfizer gang. Who, who'd you get? Uh, who'd you get Holmes? I got Moderna. Huh, Duncan, you get J and J? J and J. Let's go. So we have it covered. We have it covered. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Six, six, Six cases of blood clots, and now the whole thing's on pause. Which is wild. And you want to know why people have vaccine hesitancy? It's because of dumb shit like that. It's such a mixed bag, the messaging that they've put out. Where it's like one in a million, you you literally have a better chance of like hitting a a huge score in Vegas. It's it's lib governance. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the almost every... If you talk to, to women who take birth control, almost every birth control option out there has a higher percentage risk of blood yeah. clots with that product than J&J does with this vaccine. And yet they pulled it off the market in, a, in the midst of all this. Well, I, you, I, I just got it. You know, I'm not completely out of the woods. Well, so. here's the other thing. So like the, the data that I looked at, so of the six cases, all six were women and, and they, they had not, you know, there's no data available whether they were on 
one of these birth controls that also had that as a side effect. So you have no idea, no idea, no idea, like less than one in a million. And, and they just blew it. I mean, when you're shutting down vaccines and you're saying you're still going to have to wear a mask indoors after you've been vaccinated, you want to know why people are vaccine hesitant. That's why. That's it. Bingo. That's why. That's it. All right. Well, fellas, we got to get to King of the Hill. We're good. We had the, the ultimate candy. It's let's been go. off the for folks, six weeks. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. People demanded it. The people have been crying out. We So we had our hack madness. We had the tournament. It was wonderful, but we're going right back to our roots. Ladies and gentlemen, this is King of the Hill. <laughs> and uh, looks like our fighters are in place. Let's go down ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Welcome back to King of the Hill. It's time for our main event. In the red corner, fighting out of the Washington Post and wearing her hat madness crown, Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. And now, in the blue corner, fighting out of a cruise ship in the Persian Gulf, standing five feet four inches tall, Bill Wartime Crystal. Oh, what a treat. Yeah. So, I it feels so much. It feels so good to be back. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. And I'll just say, look, Bill Crystal has been a reigning champ for six weeks. Sure, he hasn't been tested, but it's still a six-week run. And uh, he feels good, rested, ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. But Jen, Jen Rubin just won the Hack Madness tournament. Yeah. So clearly, she's got the takes that can deliver. One thing, uh, I just for a programming note here, for everyone, uh, you know, we've got a lot of lo- new listeners. So I wanted to lay out the ground rules here yeah. for the game. And that is uh, Holmes has uh, his champion, uh, Bill Crystal, who is the reigning champion of King of the Hill. And Smug has Jen Rubin. Um, and basically what we do is, is that Holmes and Smug curate three tweets from their champions. And then they read them to me. Over a calendar week, there's a time. Over a calendar week, one tweet up against one tweet, and I select the winner as judge and jury of all three rounds. And the winner is King of the Hill. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love this game so much. It's been so so much. Oh, all right. So, but I fit right into it. Does the challenger start? No, champion goes first. Champion first. Okay. First, twice. First in the first round and the third round. Bill Crystal, April 12th. Republicans seem far more alarmed about too many adults voting than about too many school children getting shot. Fuck. <laughs> you can't Who says that. that? You can't beat it. You can't beat it. That's insane. I mean, that is A-plus material. Okay, yeah. So so this is the benefit of, of the champ going first. This is a good one. So 
you had Kyle Griffin. Everyone on Twitter knows Kyle Griffin. He posted the official White House portraits for President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, and it's their photos. And Jen Rubin, quote, retweets, sigh, so nice, so normal, so historic. <laughs> and the photo of Biden, if you have not seen the official photo, I mean, he looks like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Let's be serious. Historic, first Crypt Keeper. In the way. <laughs> Nobody thought they could do it, but weekend Bernie's yeah. got to 1600. <laughs> Historic. Uh, these are both really good. They are. Do you, do you guys want to do any politicking for your tweets before well, I let me, do my analysis? Let me just say, I think that Smugs has got a very great uh, tweet there. No question about it. I, I My sense of this Bill Crystal is it is so unbelievably over the top and worm-brained that it like in the history of the competition of king of the hill i i can't i'm having a tough time finding one worse yeah so my politicking is for 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 our newer listeners because our numbers keep going up but for our newer listeners who who didn't know jen rubin before she completely lost her mind she used to ostensibly be a conservative and to this day remains the quote conservative, you know, opinion writer for the Washington Post. So for her, she, she like, which is absolutely insane that this person is considered the conservative viewpoint, tweeting out a picture of Joe Biden and Kamala. But the, the commentary on it of like, sigh, so nice, so normal. So historic for, for Biden, the guy can't climb stairs. Is that maybe, you know, that could be historic first president. I think FDR could probably do stairs better than Biden. Right. You know, so historic. Let, let me just say more alarmed about adults voting than school children getting shot. So, so I, I the judge in Jarrett has rendered the verdict. Bill Crystal, as we learned here at the top of the program, has no problem after 20 years that America's kids go over to Afghanistan and keep getting shot. But he wants to use kids dying in schools to make a political point about the Georgia election bill. Oh, I think... I think the man is is entirely morally bankrupt. One of the worst people in the history of politics in this country. And for that reason, he wins round one. Oh, man. I mean, damn. I, oh, listen, here's what I'll say. When when Duncan broke it down like that, man, it hits different. That hits different. <laughs> yeah, That's what yeah. I do. All right. I mean, that verdict is legit. Damn. All right. So challenger, we got we round two. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, uh, here we go. So on April 13th, Jennifer Jacobs, uh, you know, senior White House reporter for Bloomberg, tweets out, uh, reaction to Biden increasing troops in Germany when Trump wanted to decrease the number there from Trump's U.S. ambassador to Germany. And she retweeted, you know, Rick Rennell. Jan Rubin's reply to that, uh, just like out of nowhere. 
The right is now a bunch of isolationist pro-Russian bots. <laughs> every single every single person to the right of Biden, absolute bot. 100%. The thing is that like there are no actual people against Biden. It's just 100% Russian bots. <laughs> Top to bottom, Russian bots. Very strong. Very strong. Yeah. After that, um, you know, the first round, you got that. So I'm going straight to brainworms. There's okay. nothing more brainworms than like everyone who disagrees with me. 100% bot. So what was the context? Again, this was a quote tweet. Right. Yeah. So it was a quote retweet. Jennifer Jacobs retweets Rick Grinnell. And Jeffrey Jacobs says, reaction to Biden increasing troops in Germany when Trump wanted to decrease the number there from Trump's U.S. ambassador to Germany. So in that context, out of nowhere, from the top rope, you got Jen Rubin. The right is now a bunch of isolationist pro-Russian bots. <laughs> the GOP is just like Russian bots. I've, I've had everyone do this. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real brain worms right there okay so here's the here's the rejoinder here's bill crystal by the this is from uh, april 14th by the way it's republicans not democrats who are seeking to alter the current electorate republicans are trying to restrict voting and are and who are defending gerrymandering democrats want to let the people vote and are willing to give up gerrymandering in the states they control Oh man, Ruben's got that. So wait, wait, but the backdrop is is beautiful to this because yeah. it's he's talking basically about HR one, which is entirely a bill attempting to give Democrats a hundred percent control of gerrymandering, of gerrymand, like of the topic. That's like what they're trying to. It's the exact opposite of what he is attempting. Nah, you to can't talk. be Jenny from the block on that. That's pure brainworms. They were like leaking out of her nose. I think it was the brainworms tweeting that out. Every Republican is a Russian bot. Jenny from the block. What, what's so funny, I, I have rendered my decision on this. What's so funny is that if Trump was still in the White House and was pulling out of Afghanistan right now, she would send the exact same tweet. <laughs> that, uh, that is amazing. And for that reason, she's won round two. Let's go. That's good. We're going to the sudden death round three. I'll take it. Okay. I'm going to close this thing out. This is good to it. Yeah, I got, I got, I got fire for okay. three. I'm ready. Knowing, and this is just like the context of everything, Bill Crystal and everything. It's just so good. Want a transformative presidency? Get large and small businesses on board. Forge a voting rights bill that businesses will support. Stick with a tax hike for the wealthy, but sub a carbon tax <laughs> with rebates for lower income for the corporate tax hike. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. Let me, let me just I can't walk. believe this guy used to be considered a conservative. Let, it breaks my walk. heart. Let me just walk through it. Cutting through all the language and what he wants his businesses to, to draft a voting rights bill. That's step right? one. Which they oh, That's wild. This is just a very dumb, very <laughs> dumb thing to say. He wants to stick with the tax hikes for the wealthy. This is the conservative guy, tax hikes for the wealthy. Right? That's, that's, by the way, only Democrat speak. Like, that's not at all what anybody's talking about here. 
stick with the tax hike, but do but do cap and trade instead of corporate tax hikes. I mean, it's like the worst fucking politics I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. How you can screw poor people in one tweet. I think I got it, though. I think I got it. Jenny from the block. Coming in hot. April 8th at 8.46 p.m. Because Jenny keeps going, dude. Sundown, she's still rolling. 8.46 p.m. April 8th. Jennifer Rubin. I know a lot of progressives are saying Biden's agenda could not be predicted. Quote, no one thought Biden would be this bold. Didn't they listen to the campaign? He's doing exactly what he said. I can't say anything has truly surprised me. That is absolutely wild. Like you, you look at uh, Mayorkas being like, "Yeah, you know what? Trump was right about the wall. We're gonna, we're gonna keep building that wall." He's got, he's got every, every like it wasn't enough that the the, the child prisons are full. They're like a thousand percent capacity. This dude is putting them in stadiums. No surprise. No surprise. He's doing exactly what he said. I can't say anything. It's truly surprised me. <laughs> Imagine what it would take to surprise Jen Rubin at this point. <laughs> COVID relief that's passed with 98 senators twice in the Senate, done entirely on a partisan basis. The postpartisan president, not a surprise. Yeah, not a surprise. He's done it with zero Republican support. Yeah, no, I, entirely partisan. It's the Washington. wildest thing. That's the wildest. <laughs> pretty good. I think the judge has got a tough, a tough hand here because that is a wild take, but so, but so, so is cap and trade getting rid of uh, corporate tax hikes and, and forging a voting rights bill from corporations. It's first of all, I got to say both of these final tweets. I mean, did they write them on Substack? They're so long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. They yeah. were. And, and they are both insane. But Bill Crystal's reads like a white paper written on peyote. <laughs> it's insane. And for that reason, he is the winner and still champion. Oh, yes. wow. Yes. The rain continues. Wow. Yes. Wow. So oh. for new listeners, uh, you know, once, once someone has lost King of the Hill, they're like, what, in the freezer for a week? Yeah. Yep. I'll find a new champion. Jen Rubin, I love your brainworm takes. I think you deserved the crown, not just, uh, you know, for the hack bracket, but man, that was a take. Jen Rubin was robbed. Jay from the block will be back. <laughs> I'm going to get like 10 DMs tomorrow from people being like, you robbed smug. Totally. Bring totally. it on. Bring it on, guys. It was a very fair decision. I felt like it was a very justified win. And Crystal... Yeah. You know, I had to whittle down to three. He had four or five more that were in the mix. You know, I, I, here's the thing is I, I'm in defeat. I'll be gracious. I think, I think, uh, you know, our, our judge Duncan definitely put some prudent thought into that, <laughs> especially that first tweet. That should hit different. He issued uh, he, outstanding, he, outstanding work. I'll be back. I'll be back folks. King of Hill was on an, illum an illuminating decision. I do my best. Every, I yeah. do my best. Yeah. But you know what, folks? I hope everyone has enjoyed the all candy episode. This was a good one. I, I mean, I, me personally, I enjoyed recording it. I, <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed listening. You we should. got another big week next week. Great guests, all kinds of fun. Uh, I can't wait for it.
outstanding work gentlemen we got another banger in the can so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on tuesday stay ruthless